eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease, fresh installs and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own? Look to your left, look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. So there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When it comes to your finances, go for the credit card that's always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We're talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Welcome to the Jill on Money podcast. It is Saturday, May 8th. And this weekend, we are talking about the absolutely hot on fire housing market. We've got a great guest. Her name is Maria Fergozzi, and she's the chief financial officer and one of the founding executives at a company called Home Point Financial. This is going to be one of those popular topics that's going to get you to write in and ask questions. Great. Do that. Our email address is askjill at jillonmoney.com, askjill at jillonmoney.com. In this first part of our interview, we're talking about the current rate environment and how the cost of building a home is skyrocketing. Here's part one of Maria Fergozzi. Tell us what's going on right now in the U.S. economy. Everything we need to know. Okay, now maybe not everything, but it seems like we're at an inf- a good point. Things are turning. The economy is growing again. So are you feeling optimistic right now? Yeah, we're certainly feeling optimistic. We're we're seeing that growth. Um, we're definitely seeing people looking at the purchase market in mortgages and in the home sector. Um, we did see a slight uptick in rates, um, but it does seem like that's starting to settle in now. Things really seem to be chugging along quite nicely. Because things are going along pretty well, and it looks like that we're going to have growth of, I don't know, 6% this year annualized, maybe up to 10%, depending on you know who you're talking to. But it's going to be a strong year for growth. Does that mean or does that put on your radar screen the idea that the Fed is going to increase interest rates as a risk factor? So it's certainly something that we're watching, but it's not something right now that we're particularly concerned about. They seem pretty intent uh, on making sure that the economy is really stable after everything that happened with the pandemic. So we're not expecting them to really come in and and, and do much with rates. And if they are going to do that, it feels like uh, in, in particular, this group will signal that. And we're not seeing them signal that yet. 
So they'll really go out, they'll talk about it, and and you'll start to probably see interest, longer-term interest rates rise ahead of the actual short-term rate increase from the Fed. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you'll definitely see the steepness in the curve start to come back. Um, And that's another thing that we're just not seeing. You know, long-term rates, um, we really focus in the mortgage industry on the 10-year. And, you know, the 10-year has been really still very low and relatively stable within a range. So when you think about um, these crazy low rates and, you know, it's so funny because I'll hear from people and they'll say, I refi, but I missed, I, I had to pay as much as three and a quarter percent. I mean, it sort of makes me giggle a little bit. Can you just describe how like historically where we are in the context of, of rates? Oh, gosh. Historically, where we are is still some of the lowest levels um, that we've seen really in the last 20 years. If you're getting a mortgage with a 3% handle, um, you're doing really well. Um, And really, the difference in a payment um, on an average mortgage between someone who got in the high twos and where we are in the low threes is just not that much. You know, that is a very attractive rate. Um, it's even attractive for people who are looking to do something like a cash out refi and consolidate other debts because you just can't borrow really anywhere at these type of levels. Wind the clock back a year. And when you were, you know, let's say watching the U.S. economy shut down, was it surprising to you how the housing market then picked up? I mean, it seemed to me, like I was so shocked. Of course, it made so much sense. It now makes so much sense. But like, it felt like so quickly people were like, get me the heck out of this small place. I'm going to be home for a while. I mean, the market seemed to have exploded. Did you expect something like that? So we did not expect that. We really didn't, like everyone, we really didn't know what to expect But I think part of what actually drove that was how quickly the mortgage industry as a whole was able to react to what had happened. So we very quickly were able to send everyone home, have them work from home, and figure out ways that even in what's still a very physical process to get a mortgage, you have to sign physical paperwork. We figured out how to get that done, a combination of e-signatures, we figured out how to get people's houses appraised, um, you know, even in the midst of a pandemic. And you know, the government certainly helped us in a number of places. Um, Fannie and Freddie, um, who works with the, the us as mortgage originators, they allowed for appraisal waivers. So if your your house was you know within a certain range, they allowed no appraisal, and that also certainly helped things move along. But yeah, it was a big surprise to us, not only just refinancing, but that purchases really continued to to clip along. So, you know, people were continuing to buy houses, it appears, partially online. How much does the idea that rates are really low, I have to act now, how much do you think that plays into it in general, whether it's a refi or a purchase? Like, I want to hurry up and capture this now. How much can that emotional push lead to an actual transaction? Oh, I think there's certainly some of that. Um, there, There's a combination, I think, of that, that emotional. And we always joke about the cocktail party talk that, you know, someone likes to say that they got a mortgage rate in the twos. So while they were in the twos, it was certainly driving people uh, to make sure they were locking in that uh, interest rate, whether for a refinance or a purchase. And it does seem in the purchase market that there's definitely a flurry, like they don't want to miss this opportunity which is definitely driving demand. 
Now, before the COVID crisis, we did not have a lot of homes that were on the market. We already had an inventory problem. Now, from my understanding, a lot of that inventory problem occurred after the last housing boom and bust, where we had a lot of private equity firms buying up properties, pulling those properties offline. People who were underwater couldn't move so that we had a, a sort of a stagnant housing market. So can you talk a little bit about the inventory problems that persisted before COVID and where we are now a year after the, the COVID crisis really began? Yeah, it's interesting because even, as you said, right before um, the COVID crisis, I was certainly talking to other economists out there that were concerned about the inventory problem and had been concerned about the inventory problem, frankly, for years, mm. um, especially as it was looking looking for the first-time home buyer. So getting you know the, your first rung on that ladder um, of home ownership. You're right. The private equity firms were certainly going in and buying up many of the of the low cost properties and then putting them into the rental pool. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time, you had builders that had been so badly burned by you know the last go around. A lot of them just simply exited the market. So you had the large builders, but you didn't have a lot of the small builders who regionally play a very important role in creating inventory. So prior to the pandemic, we were probably at about you know four months of inventory, and that's historically really, really low. I, an equilibrium feeling is more around eight to 10 months. Now we're staring at like one month of inventory. Hmm. Um, and so it's amazing how through the pandemic, you know, now we have very little inventory on the market. And I think that that's just, it's creating really a vicious circle where why would I put my home on the market? I don't know where I'm going to live. And so people are not putting their homes on the market because there aren't other homes on the market. So something here is going to end up having to break that log jam. And maybe it is the builders, some of the smaller builders coming in, getting tracts of land and, and, and starting to you know, build more of that where they can affordable housing. Even with the builders, I, I spoke to a home builder that I know. And he is saying that, you know, going out and buying land right now is precarious just because the cost of of actually building a home has increased so much. So we know that lumber, very expensive. We know that copper, very expensive. Petroleum products that are used in lots of different parts of the housing construction. All that means that the, the actual price of building a home or the cost of building a home has gone up. Can builders do that and just pass it on to new buyers? Or do you think that there's going to be some relief in the pressures building up in prices? So I, I, you know, we're hoping that at some point there's going to become more of an equilibrium around that supply chain problem. We're hearing that from everywhere. I mean, you talk to anyone who's even trying to do um, a renovation, they can't get supplies. They can't get plywood. They can't get you know some simple materials so what we may see is it may have to go through the whole chain where you know builders end up building some of the larger, more expensive homes, which frees up somebody who's in a you know starter home to be go to their move up home. That will start to create that inventory um, again. And perhaps it is still people who, after the pandemic, are changing the way they live. So mm. they're either moving uh, to a place where they can get more land, or they really need that. The second, third bedroom to create, you know, home offices for, um, you know, both mom and dad. We'll have to see how that ends up playing out. 
Thanks so much for listening. Great first parter. Wait till tomorrow. There's a whole second episode, which is fantastic. If you have a question about your home or something else going on in your financial life, of course, just send us an email. Our email address is askjill at jillonmoney.com. And if you're on our website, don't forget, click the contact button. And that will be your magic journey to us. Don't forget to tell us if you'd like to join us live. Mark will do all the work. We'll just get you on. It's so much better. And I know it's May. It's exciting. People are vaccinated. You feel good. I know. Don't let our guards down. Come on. Wash your hands. Wear those masks if you're inside. And please maintain your physical distancing. Put your hands metaphorically on someone's back. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.